1: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings RBC Heritage Picks. Research, preview, guess the odds... We're here sitting during the Masters weather delay at the uh, not quite conclusion of round three. So on a Saturday evening to get us ready for next week on the PGA Tour. So reminder to everyone out there to smash the like, sub to the channel, and join FantasyNational.com slash Mayo to get yourself 20% off. Additionally, Tambo and I, after doing the giveaways last week, threw another $250 each into the pool for more giveaways that we'll be giving away this Wednesday on the Pat Mayo Experience on the DraftKings Pick Show with Tambo when we finalize everything that we're doing for the week. So once again, if you've already done all the things I asked for last week, you're still in the draw. You can still win. No worries about that. But you get five ballots by subbing to the free newsletter. That's down in the description. And the big one, 10 apiece. Subscribe rate and review the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Make it super easy on yourself and boom, you will get in that draw. We're still looking for 27 new Apple Podcast reviews to cross 5,000, which would be incredible. Uh, So please, help us out on that front. No Listeners League as of yet. Hopefully, I have that by the time we do the Masters Recap Show, which is hopefully coming out on Sunday evening with Feinberg and then we can all start jumping into everything. Everything's probably going to get pushed back This week is we're going to do Masters recap either Sunday evening or Monday morning, then Heritage Picks on Monday evening or Tuesday morning, and then everything gets bumped one day down. It'll be regular day Wednesday for the DraftKings Pick Show, if you were wondering. But let's get into my favorite tournament every single year, the RBC Heritage, from Harbortown Golf Links, this is a shorter course, it's a Pete Dye course, trying to give you the quick info here, 147 players in the field, uh, which is a huge jump from what it's supposed to be, but this is an elevated event, 90. 90- Eight of the top 100 players in the world rankings are committed to be playing this week. No Aaron Wise, no Hideki Matsuyama. Will Zalatoris is technically in the field as of right now, but obviously, especially if you played him on DraftKings or Betham, you know that he withdrew from the Masters before hitting a shot. So I don't know whether or not he's going to show up on Hilton Head Island. I guess we'll have to wait and see throughout the course of the week. This is a Pete Dye course. You're probably familiar with Pete Dye courses at this time. If you're a Fantasy National member, just click on that Pete Dye I tab on the left-hand side, which we'll be doing throughout the course of this show to figure out the guys that play better on these specific types of courses. So that's the quick info that you need. I guess the other thing is where this field is normally 132 players, but so many people signed up because, and we're eligible because it's an elevated event, huge money to the winner, that uh, you can, there won't be any alternates taking the play. So let's say Will Zalatoris pulls out tomorrow which is probably most likely going to happen. No one's going to take his spot in the field until it crosses down to 132. So it would take 16 WDs before any of the alternates actually get in. All of the people who would have qualified for this tournament based off top 10s at the Valero Texas Open are now into the Mexico Open field, which is in two weeks because it's Heritage Team Event, Mexico. I'm going on vacation as of Wednesday, so... I don't really care about those tournaments. I'll probably still bet them. So, you know, follow me on Twitter for all that fun stuff. If I can find something I can, if I'm in a place where I can legally bet or find a way to bet, you know, I'm going to be doing that. But if not, I'm probably just going to take a pass, take a nice little vacation because it doesn't seem, at this moment at least, like I'm going to be turning a profit at the Masters. The little stuff has worked out well. The big stuff, eh. Didn't have Brooks Koepka. Tim had Brooks Koepka. So we'll see how that ends up turning out. Hopefully he gags away the lead. That would be fun, wouldn't it? Unless you had money on Brooks, that would absolutely suck. But I don't, so I'm hoping he comes back to the field. And someone else rises like a phoenix from the ashes in order to claim the green jacket over him. Or even John Rom. I don't have money on John Rom either. Fuck that guy. You can go away. The course at RBC Heritage is Harbortown Golf Links. Again, one of my favorite courses on the PGA Tour. And the way that we need to be looking at this week, it's going to be completely different than we normally see because this is an elevated field. All of the best players in the world are playing. So what we're going to do a little bit later on is take a look at the 2020 RBC Heritage, which was the second tournament coming out of the COVID hiatus. Yes, it was at a different time of the year, not substantially different. Mind you, it was in June instead of the middle of April. So there are differences between the two but that was the only time really that this tournament had an amazing field like that where all of the top players played so we can take a look and see if we can glean anything from that year because essentially this just turns into you know hit your spots on the fairway wherever you want to hit them it's an irons and putting competition that's what this is going to be so it does actually even though this is an elevated event one of the top guys is probably going to win in my mind because this course can be attacked by so many different types of players that it should be pretty spread out in terms of the players that you see. The pr- the player pool of guys who can win is probably larger this week than it is most weeks. So taking a look at the course itself, it's a par 71, just under 7,200 yards this year at 7,191 Bermuda Grass Greens in South Carolina. Uh, the past winners, and we'll jump into that a little bit harder, but uh, Jordan Spieth beat Patrick Cantlay in a playoff a year ago at minus 13 to win, and it is one of the few courses on tour where driving Means relatively little. Like when you take a look back at the past five years in the top 10 finishers, strokes gained around the green has been more impactful to the top 10 finishers than strokes gained off the tee, which is kind of crazy. But it's like most Pete Dye courses where overall course strategy in tee to green needs to be on display more than your average tournament. Like hitting fairways is great, but at Heritage, you're better off being in the right hand rough or left hand rough on some holes rather than being on the opposite fairway cuz you just don't have a proper angle in to score on that hole. Sometimes you need to know have a little bit of, a little bit of that course knowledge going into it. Uh, it has super tiny greens and the field only hits them at a 57 58 sorry percent rate, making it one of the lowest greens and regulation averages of any course on the PGA Tour. So again, Focusing on those proper angles on approach shots is going to be imperative to scoring. Focusing on approach and putting, that's the path of least resistance this week. We'll get into the Pete Dye players who tend to do well a little bit. So beyond the Pete Dye ones, although I find that... Uh, TPC River Highlands for the Travelers Championship doesn't really correlate at all with any of the other Pete Dye courses, but Sea Island Resort, which is very close uh, to Hilton Head Island for the RSM Classic and the Wyndham Championship, are two that see a lot of crossover stuff. Like even JT Poston, he won the Wyndham. That was the year that he came second at the Heritage. CT Pan comes second at the Wyndham. He wins the Heritage. So just keep your mind open with that Sony Open and the Honda Classic. Also, again. Different tournaments, generally with weaker fields, so maybe it's not applicable this week, but at the same time, where shorter hitters with great irons and great putting can really overcome a lack of distance, that would really hamper them at most tournaments not a lot of eagle opportunities on this course hole two 2.7 eagle rate hole five a 1.9 percent eagle rate there's only three of them on the course and harbortown annually ranks as the course with the fewest drives over 300 yards and the shortest average driving distance on tour just 270 yards off the tee compared to the 284 that you see at your average pga tour event um, over the past six years, Strokes Gained Approach has been almost three times more impactful than Strokes Gained Off the Tee. Strokes Gained Around the Green, again, amongst the top five finishers uh, on the course. Last year, the top, or two years ago, sorry, the top nine leaders in Strokes Gained Approach, seven of them appeared inside the top 10 on the leaderboard. And there's big comebacks at this course. It was put on hiatus a little bit uh, after the two years. So Webb Simpson won as the third round leader. He was tied with four guys, but he won that year in 2020 coming out of COVID. And Stuart Sink uh, went into the final round up five on Colin Morikawa he used the Texas wedge all day didn't even bring out a wedge just putted from off the green and ended up running away with it but Previous to that, seven straight winners had been at least two shots off the lead before winning at the RBC Heritage, and then Spieth started a new trend last year, got back on it, so it's eight of the past ten have had at least a two-shot deficit going into the final day, and while this course is very difficult, uh, as you can see, like you can get behind some trees, pretty gnarly uh, some of the times, and some of the longer par threes can wreak havoc, especially on the exposed part of the course that's more on the ocean, but some. Some years, this tournament sees no wind at all, and you can break a scoring record. Other times, most of the rounds are going to play around like 20 miles per hour, and it's going to make it pretty difficult. Again, why you see some of the shorter ball hitters end up doing very well, and why Luke Donald, for example, just dominated this tournament for years and years and years. So that type of player is more live again this week than you see in most weeks. And I think it's time that we jump over to FantasyNational.com and take a little bit of closer look at the course breakdown as i mentioned you're only going to see two of the holes number two and number five they're the eagle rates over you know, the next closest one is part at. 0.4 percent so no one's really making a ton of eagles on number 15 and we take a look at the hardest holes on the course uh number 14 uh the almost 200 yard par three i think that's one where shane lowry chipped it into the water a few years ago but uh 14 18 14, 8, 18, 3, and 4 uh, are the most difficult on the course. So if we're thinking for showdown purposes, do we have any edge here? Not really, because 18 is super tough. So you could kind of start the exact same thing with 1, 2, 3. But number 3 is very difficult, of course, as well. Uh, 9, 10, and 11. Yeah, I guess starting on the front, just because number nine is one of the easier holes on the course uh, would be the way that you'd want to do it. But birdie streaks are just very unlikely at this course, unless you can sneak one on one. Like if you can sneak one on 14, I guess the best chance you would have would be 15, 16, 17, the 15th, 14th and 10th most difficult holes on the course with a 27 17 and 13 percent birdie rate but even if you can sneak one on 14 then you might be able to run through that portion ditto for like four and seven if you can birdie four or seven you know you should be able to make birdie on number five and number six does have around a 15 percent birdie rate as well so that's just a way to look at it as i mentioned you know around the green has been more applicable than off the tee and it's but it's approach and putting that's what we're looking for here like if you have to rely too much this week uh like Like I said, it's a 58% greens and regulation rate. Yeah, there we are, 58% like whoever just hits like 75 percent of their greens in regulation is just going to be inside the top five of this tournament just the way that it ends up going down scrambling is very easy but again a lot of that has to do with the very small greens because you know you could miss a green and be 14 feet away from the hole in some instances uh, again there's the difference between driving accuracy very high here uh, as opposed although the driving distance is far lower as mentioned before you can see it's a big gap between them 268.3 now as the update and the average green regulation. Proximity, again, because of the smallish greens, as uh, 27 feet away from the hole, which is much smaller than the 29 on your average course. So let's go back and take a look at what has happened at this tournament the past few years. Again, Jordan Spieth beat Patrick Cantley in a playoff a year ago, stormed the leaderboard on Sunday to get him into the clubhouse at minus 13. Cam Davis almost got there as well. Uh, And you see Matt Kucher, Shane Lowry. Lowry's had some really nice run. Three of the past four years inside the top 10 was cut in 2020 in that elevated event. That's the one that I want to go back and look at, though, because I think that's the important one this week. It is the only year that we've seen that actually mimics what we're seeing this week in terms of field strength. And, you know, you take a look at it. A lot of the guys went to the Live Tour because, I mean, Daniel Berger was up there. Michael Thompson didn't qualify. So we click on the year outright uh, because... Abraham answer, and Sergio were up there as well. Sergio dominated tee to green for most of the tournament. I think he led all players tee to green. He did. It just The day one putting just sunk him to no end. I thought he was going to get there. He hit one into, I want to say it was 16 or 17. Just roped this long iron. It was beautiful. Made the putt, but it just wasn't enough. But so many strokes gained on approach. Uh, you see fifth, second, and fifth. All It's funny. Those are all live guys at the moment. But 9.9 for Sergio. 11.8 for answer and 7.4 for Joaquin Neiman for a fifth the second and a fifth but it was Webb Simpson who ended up winning uh, and he beat answer Berger there was Hatton who came in third uh, Sergio Neiman Brooks uh, Brooks had a nice Sunday to come back uh, I believe DJ did as well he was way back in the pack and yeah he ended up finishing 17th but you can see just you, you need to be up there in approach or you need to put the lights out like Daniel Berger did or Tyrrell Hatton did who lost off the tee and around the green but like we said those don't matter as much If you're putting and hitting your irons, he has irons well enough and just putted out of this world good. Uh, But it's, one again, one of those events where these types of players can be firmly in the mix. A lot of live guys. Live guys love this tournament. Or injured guys. Or guys who used to be good, like Webb Simpson. Simpson, Answer, Berger. But again, like all the best players were playing in this tournament. So, like, Rory played, for example. Where was Rory? Rory was 41st. Uh, and this, the one caveat to this is this was not played a week after the Masters like it normally is. Now, I don't know how much that's going to affect anything, if at all, but just worth noting that that is what has happened uh, in this tournament. It was a week after Colonial when it was a superstar field, and I believe Daniel Berger won that week over Xander in a playoff and just passed Morikawa on the leaderboard. But again, in the superstar field, you do see Ryan Palmer inside the top 10. Dylon Hotfire Fratelli. Poston, who's played this course incredibly well over time. Michael Thompson. Justin Rowe. Poulter. I mean, Justin is still a good player. Harris English. Maybe we can take a look at Harris English. He did make the cut at the Masters this week. Bryce Garnett was inside the top 20. So the guys you would normally assume would play well at this course weren't completely out of their league and overwhelmed by how good the field was like let's see who missed the cut that week Siwoo, who's like mr this course although he's never won it but he's like mr pete die when it comes down to it uh he was having a very nice saturday before in the terrible conditions before it got called let's see heritage Here it did. 42nd, 33rd, miscut, miscut. He started off much better. He had a second. He had the playoff loss to Kadira. God, that was a great week for me. 20K week for Pat Mayo on my birthday. It was fantastic stuff. Uh, He came second. And the, he came 14th in his first ever year here. He's been kind of backtracking a little bit since, but it's always pretty wise to blindly back Siwoo, especially at deeper odds uh, at a course like this. Like, Furick has won this tournament a bunch of times, twice, I think. Cam Smith had been in the mix. But you see, like, bigger-name players did miss the cut here uh, that year. Sungjae missed the cut. Horschel missed the cut. And again, guys that had both previously played well here and guys you would expect to do really well at the RBC Heritage. So it's no lock just because you're a big name that you're going to be great this week. Now watch you know, Rahm or Scheffler run away with it because they have the propensity to do that. But again, I'm going to widen my range. Maybe Justin Rose is a really nice look here. That was the only time he had played it was in 2020. Taking a look at the overall field, Webb, can't Cantlay. It really is shaping up to be a Cantlay week. Three top tens and five and four starts the past five years. Poston, three top tens. Uh, sorry, he was sixth the year that he won at the Wyndham. Uh, then he won the Wyndham later on that year but he has three top 10s in the past four years as well same with Shane Lowry see Michael Thompson's played well Pan got the whim that's all he's ever really done I don't know if Pan's gonna actually be in the field or not he hasn't played in ages I don't know if this is where he's making his return so Pan and Will Zalatoris are on clear WD watch despite the fact that they're committed to this field to begin with however I would say that They're probably both not going to play and join Hideki and Aaron Wise as the other guys who are not playing in this tournament. Uh, Small greens that usually favors Maverick McNeely, but I can't remember the last time that guy hit an iron well. It might be never at this rate. Let's see here. It's the last time he gained strokes on approach. Oh, the Sony Open with smaller greens than a corollary course to this. He came in seventh. That's nice. Before that was last year's first round of the playoffs and then the Travelers Championship been a rough go for old Matt McNeil. He gains a million strokes putting every single week, though. So depending on what his price is, he always seems to be overvalued, both in the betting market and on DraftKings, though. It's kind of crazy. Uh, Norrin had a terrible week at the Masters. We'll see how he ends up doing. Hatton's been pretty good here over the years. Cam Davis, we thought he was getting back into pretty good form, and then he was eight over at the Valero Texas Open, then was seven under, I think, the next day. So Lord knows where he stacks up, although he had a good run at the Players' Championship, another Pete Dye course, if you're keeping record of that, the ones that we regularly see on the PGA Tour from Pete Dye, Sawgrass, Town, River Highlands, TPC, Louisiana, which will be in next week for the team event at the Zurich Classic, Austin Country Club for the match play, uh, La Quinta Stadium course, where you get two rounds at the American Express, uh, Crooked Stick from way back, the 2016 BMW Championship, Whistling Straits, and Kiowa Island, where they have... Uh, When did they have that, 2021, when Phil won the PGA Championship, was there. So just all different ones. But the Ryder Cup was obviously just at Whistling Straits, Um, all the best players in the world. So maybe it's a look for Max Homa or something like that, who I don't know has actually ever played at this venue. And he did. He played it in game T41 in 2020 when everyone ended up playing it. But uh, who the hell is Thomas Gibson? How the hell is that guy in the field? Good, Good run for Thomas Gibson getting in. He must be an Am or something like that.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Anyway, let's start loading in the stats and figure out who we want to target this week at the RBC Heritage. I suppose before we do anything, let's just click back the last three years maybe the best way to start this so 2023 2022 2021 and we'll just scroll down to this pete Dye filter and see what is going on you can see by architect pete Dye, and it will tell us well at least historically who has done well at these courses i'm going to guess it's shane lowry for guys who have a ton of rounds at least over the past three years i just remember him playing well at pete Dye courses and yeah, he's in third. So Carson Young in one round has been very good. Min Woo Lee, uh, that's off based off the Players' Championship. He has been 2.1 strokes gained total per round. Lowry is the only other player, but he has the full complement of 24 rounds over the past two and a bit years at Pete Dye Courses, gaining two strokes per round on the field. Connors, you can play the flop leg on Connors. I don't know if anyone's going to go back to him. This week, I don't know how well he's played at Heritage. We always liked him at Heritage because it seems like his game would really translate well for Heritage, but I have no idea how well he's actually done. So, past three years, 21st, 4th, and 12th, although you saw what kind of problems course history got you at the Masters with Corey Connors. Listen, there was no, like, viable reason to fade Corey Connors at the Masters, unless you were scared of the ownership, which is hilarious, because a lot of people did fade him because of the ownership, but as it turned out, he didn't come in nearly as owned, as people thought he was going to, because people legit went to Brooks, which was a terrific idea, as it turns out, but... Uh, I had him projected to be the highest owned guy in the field. I did not have Brooks projected to where he was. And them being the same price, Brooks really ate into the Connor's ownership in that front. Hovland is very high up. Sungjae, Scheffler, Taylor, Montgomery... Flea Market, only six rounds, so Has played very well at Pete Dye courses. That's been the Amex and the Players' Championship so far this year. And I think that he was actually quite good at Sea Island as well. And we think back to the RSM Classic. How did he do at RSM? He was 15th. Anyway, he does his normal thing, hits his irons okay, chips and putts pretty well. The putting is the big thing for him. He was terrible off the. He came 22nd Valero and lost 1.5 strokes T to green. Okay, fun times. It's been a while since he's had an elevated. Finish. He was playing really well at the match play before Mac. he got Mac used in the round of 64 in the final match. I think that ended up going to a playoff and he ended up losing. Rom, Ben Griffin, Hatton, EVR, Harmon, Cantley, Morikawa, uh, Xander Shaffley. Morikawa did have good run at this tournament. I'm curious to see. He's going to end up finishing, like, all right at the Masters, so we're never going to get a break on his stupid odds. But like, he sucked at the, at the players because he was, like, in contention for the first— 27 holes but you know he still almost gained 10 strokes t to green he's very alive to win this tournament he was seventh here in 21 played in the final group and just couldn't get anything going uh he returned last year for a t26 but again you know a classic morikawa performance gain over 10 strokes ball striking lost chipping Lost putting, that was the end of him. But he's never missed a cut at the RBC Heritage. So he's going to be like a, a standard chalky play. If he ends up 25 to 1 or worse, I'll be betting on Colin Morikawa. And I saved some money because I didn't bet on him at the Masters. I like Xander at this tournament too. Xander was in my big winning lineup. Or actually, it wasn't a winning lineup. It was a third place lineup with Kadira. It was Shoffley, Cantley, and Bill Haas, I think, were my expensive guys. But let's see how he is done here. Hurt Heritage. Maybe it wasn't Xander then. Really? Do I have that mixed up in my mind in 2018? Maybe he was No, he was in that lineup. He's had a bad final day, I guess. I, oh, I do remember now. Yeah, he yeah, 72 on the final day, came in 32nd, but that was the year he was a legit like 2% 6 of 6 percentage. So just having six guys through the cut was very valuable. And if you had Kadaira and Siwoo Kim, which I did, uh, that was very helpful as well. Hopefully I can recreate the magic of the heritage. Hit Spieth in live last year, too. I think this has been my most profitable tournament. Not even close in the history of me betting and playing on DraftKings. So as we kind of scroll back a little bit and take a look at just overall strokes gained over the past 24 rounds total. See, it's Rom Scheffler, Day, Homa. Sam Stevens has just been lighting it on fire recently. Chris Kirk. Someone who should play this course very well. Cantlay Finau, Windy C, is up there. He's 11th in total strokes gained over the past 24. Keith Mitchell, there's Hatton. Ben Martin continues to play really good golf. Taylor Moore playing really good golf, obviously, with the win that he had. Justin Su, my guy. Sam Ryder, Batia, all playing in the field this week, all gaining a bunch of strokes total. You see Sam Ryder's not really doing it tee to green, but he is number one putting over the past 24 rounds. So trying to make that distinction a little bit higher, like Denny's putter hasn't been absolute fire. Still very good. But his ball striking has been better for Denny McCarthy, I suppose. This is a course where Denny McCarthy could ride a hot putter to a win. Make no mistake about that. This is one of the few courses where he can really go after people uh, on the PGA Tour. So let's click on the Heritage. Let's see my notes on the Heritage. Worked. That's great news. I hope it works again. Let's see what it says. Uh, down here, worked. I have putting and opportunities gained, weighted at 10% a piece. I got a lot of them in here. Good drives gained at 10%. Par threes, 175 to 200 at 5%. Par fours gained 10%. Around the green 10, tee to green 5, approach 25%. Par fives, 5%. Ball striking being the combination of off the tee and Approach 5% and birdies or better gained at 5%. So I've actually included a few more putting-ish stats into this, as in Strokes game, putting at 10%, obviously. Uh, birdies or better gained uh, has a component of putting into it. What else do I have? Uh, par fours gained and par fives gained do include an element of putting in them as well. So let's take a look at who the leaders are going to be over the past 24 rounds. Scheffler, and Rory. My guess is what's going on at the very top, because they tend to be the top three all of the time. Although you might get a Ben Martin or a Matt Wallace in here, depending on what stats are being pulled from. Rom, sorry, Scheffler, Rom, Homa, Finau, Hatton are the top five. Thomas, Morikawa, Sungjae, Hungjae, Sungjae, Ricky, number nine, Xander Shoffley, number 10. So there's your top 10 in terms of overall. I want to make sure I don't have any like extra filters clicked on i don't that's just straight up past 24 rounds what we're looking at then wyndham clark ben martin spieth Cantley, and kirk are the next five rory rose cooch jason day and hollywood tom hoagie comes in at number 20 connor's fleetwood taylor moore su lowry hovland straka nick taylor continues to be pretty good there's matt wallace he's number 31 denny is number 30 so okay over that time who's been the best on par four Scheffler, homa day kirk this could be a, a sneaky jason day spot i mean i'm trying to think of his biggest wins and how many of them have come at pete die courses he's won the players championship so that's one he won at whistling Straits. that so was a major he won that at a pete die course i wonder how he's done throughout the course. i wonder how he's done at the heritage i mean he used to play this every year as a member of team rbc Uh, He was ninth in 2011, 30th, 23rd. Maybe, no, it was DJ who used to have to play it every year as a member of Team RBC. So he's never really had, like, great performances at RBC Heritage, which is really strange. This seems like a course that would have really suited his eye really well just based on how hot he would get on the greens and sometimes the tee to green would really come along with him batia has been playing really well on coastal courses and he's sixth in par fours gained over the past 24 rounds so i think that's pretty reasonable to go look at good drives gained hatton morikawa t dunks Uh, tiddly dunks has won the rsm classics maybe keep tyler duncan on the radar because i think he's been playing some pretty good golf as of late. Let's see how he's been doing. Valero, fifty-eighth, third in corrales missed cut, fifty-fourth at the players, third at the Honda. So I mean, for a guy at the bottom end of the field, I mean, these are about as good of results as you're probably gonna find from someone that far down on the list. That's Thomas. Thomas always, you know, pretty good with the good drives. The putting has just been atrocious for him. Opportunities gained, Cam Young. And he is Team RBC now, has Paul Tsori on the bag, Webb Simpsons caddy, when he won this event. So maybe this is finally the breakthrough for Cameron Young this week. His odds are going to be absolutely disastrous, but hey, maybe that won't make a difference. Cam Young, Rory, Windy C, Chef Connors, Rom Feenow, Davis Riley, Ricky Fowler, and Tyrell Atten, along with Victor Hovel. Let's take a look at Ricky very briefly to see what he has been up. Two? Tenth, thirteenth, thirty-first, twentieth, tenth, eleventh, second at the Zozo. I mean, just gaining so much on approach. Off the tee has been pretty good. The chipping's been up and down, and sometimes the putter comes along. See how he's been doing better on Bermuda than he's been on POA, but not as good as he's been on Bent. And could this be the spot for Ricky? I have no idea what his heritage stuff is. Even bad at the heritage. (laughs) In 2010, he came eighth. Uh, He played it last year, missed the cut. 2020 missed the cut. And previous to that, he hadn't played it in eight years, but he missed the cut in 2011 and 12 and 2008. Yikes. From Ricky. Has never really rolled it well on these coastal greens. So, I don't know. I have to figure out what I want to do with Ricky. Should I go into the course history or should I say, you know what? I mean, Luke Donald has the best history here. It's not like we're playing Luke Donald this week. Maybe I will play Luke Donald this week. Samuel Stevens. I got to see what he's been like, how he's been doing it. Because he almost won at Valero so in his past four two of them alt events in fairness and missed the cut at the Valspar. 15th in Puerto Rico third in Corrales second at the Valspar. just just missed that putt on the 72nd hole in order to get into the playoff with Corey Connors but he's been having a pretty good year so far at longer courses mind you though like Puerto Rico and Corrales are pretty long 15th and second. Valero's pretty long. He had a second place finish there. Obviously, Torrey Pines, very long. 13th there. So every time we get him at a longer course, maybe that's going to be the look. Forget how long the Mexico course is. Maybe that's going to be the spot to deploy him. Where's Rom? Rom won that last year. Kidiyama came in second. So maybe we take a look at, there's the Mexico open. I really don't remember the yardage whatsoever on it. It's past Palum as well. So we saw him we saw Stevens play really well on Pass Palom at Corrales and in Puerto Rico. So maybe Mexico we can uh, put that back over with as well. And we saw some big bombers do well. Our trainer a bomber, Champ a bomber, Rama a bomber, Kirk Kadiyama a bomber, Finau a bomber. Smallway I think hits it really long. Now I can't even remember what kind of player Smalley is. I play him all the time too, which is really weird. <coughs> Excuse me about my voice. It's still not completely back. The sinus infection isn't quite gone, but it's nearing, nearing being completely out of my system, which is really nice. Like, I could really use that before I go away and get into, like, the nice weather. I don't want to be stuffed up the entire time, blow my nose. I think that's pretty good to look at this week. I would walk through what I think the odds are going to be, but they're not going to be entirely dissimilar to what we saw this week for Augusta. All the same guys are playing. Maybe instead of Rory being the co-favorite or second, he's now fourth on the board because he had a bad week. So if you can catch Rory at, like, you know 12 to 1 that seems plausible I suppose but Rom is going to be 7 to 1 four is going to be 8 to 1 and then Rory is going to be third probably at like 10 11 12 whatever it might be and depending on how the handle comes in on a lot of these guys I'm curious to see what happens in the 20s, because Spieth is probably gonna be sub 20 to one, Cantley will most definitely be fourth on the betting board, unless like Fitz ends up pulling through and coming in third at the Masters. Morikawa is gonna get a lot of love, Xander will get a lot of love, Cam Young will get a lot of love, but one of those guys will inevitably have to fall down the board a little bit, and maybe that's when you can see is a good number. Uh, anyone above, hell, even 22 to one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say 25 to one for the moment, but I'm always disappointed when I see when the odds come out. It's like, oh man, that guy's really like 18 to 1, be it Hatton, Morikawa, whoever it might be. If you can catch 25, 28, 35 on Hatton, something like that. I think that might be the move to go to try to pepper that range because I can see one of those guys coming through for us this week. The Listener's League will become available during the Masters Recap Show. I hope you followed along with the cut sweat and the recaps for the Masters round by round. That's been a lot of fun to get into, so thank you for downloading those. And if you're listening to this, I'll on the audio podcast and you see those other two sitting there that you didn't download could you please go download those for me bump up the numbers a little bit that would be terrific news or you can just leave the audio rating and review on apple Podcasts or spotify podcast five stars sub to the show download it as well say something nice we only need a few more to get over 5,000, which would be an awesome milestone for the Pat Mayo Experience, a show that wouldn't be anything without the help of everyone out there. So I thank you very much. I hope you really enjoyed the Masters content this week. We put a lot of work into it, but hey, we do this every week. So it's not like we're going to skimp on the Heritage content either. So we got tons of that this week as well. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next
0: time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience!